From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 149 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. Well, we hope that you had a joyous and safe Easter celebration and also found rest within the octave of Easter. We in the NPM National Office are still singing our alleluias with Easter joy. We are especially grateful for you, our members, our listeners, our pastoral ministers, who led so many of our faithful through Triduum with your music. Your work leaves such a profound mark on our church's journey through all of the liturgical seasons, but especially as we journey through Holy Week, through Christ's death and resurrection. And so if no one else has told you this today, allow us to say it now. Your presence in your parish matters. And God has given you the gift of music ministry to bring his presence to others through you. So thank you for all you do. Today on the podcast, we take a moment to reflect on the impact that we as Catholics can have for our climate and our world today. With the upcoming Earth Day celebration, as well as Pope Francis's recent encyclical Laudato Si, we reached out to our friends at the Catholic Climate Covenant to discuss the responsibility that we, as Catholics, have to take care of our Earth. Where does care for creation lie within the Church's Catholic social teaching? What can we do to raise awareness? Jose Aguta was kind enough to sit down with me and discuss all of these things today. Jose is the Associate Director of the Catholic Climate Covenant, a nonprofit based in Washington, D.C., that seeks to care for both creation and the poor. Lastly, please note that this interview was also made into a video podcast as well. You can watch the video version of this episode, including a slideshow presented by Jose. The video version of this episode can be found on NPM's YouTube channel, NPM Livestream, but it can also be found in the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. Today on Ministry Monday, I am speaking to Jose Aguto from the Catholic Climate Covenant. Hi, Jose. How are you? Good, Amanda. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for talking with us today. 
So um, it's no surprise that we in the NPM office follow the Catholic Climate Covenant. Uh, my coworkers and I follow your emails and we've been very interested in what you've been doing. And so we wanted to bring you on Ministry Monday so that we could learn more about what the Catholic Climate Covenant does and believes in what we as Catholics believe as well. And so as we start, I have kind of a, a question I don't often ask my interviewers, but I think it's a nice way to start. Would you start by leading us in prayer? Uh, yes, thank you. A real mm -hmm. blessing. Thank you, Amanda. And I'm pleased to um, uh, bring in uh, the Holy Spirit prayer, which itself is a very traditional prayer. Um, I understand perhaps even originating in the 900s. Um, which is based on the Psalms, which is the Holy Spirit prayer that we know. Okay, let's take a moment to place ourselves in the presence of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, so you wanted to know initially what is the foundation uh, within our Catholic faith for care of creation? And I'm gonna thank you for that question and I'm going to uh, go back to the PowerPoint and, um, and, and draw that out a little bit. So if you are listening, feel free to watch the video version of this episode by going to the show notes of ministrymonday.org or on our YouTube channel. Um, but we're still going to hear, but if you'd like to see and follow along with the slides, please feel free to watch. Thank you, Amanda. And so our connection to God as creation starts with the very first sentence of the Bible and the recognition that God is our creator and the creator of, of heavens and the earth, which then is extended and recognized in the first sentence of the Nicene Creed, um, that God is the maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible and the completeness, omnipotence, and omniscience, and omnipresence of God is recognized in many ways in our Mass um, as the priest presents the gifts uh, for the Eucharist and the preparation of the altar, uh, say, uttering these words of which we are familiar in which uh, I am not qualified to utter. But for our listening audience, us <laughs> right you, Lord God of all creation, through your goodness, we have made, we have this bread to offer with which earth has given and human hands have made. <clears throat> and the completeness uh, is recognized by perhaps the only time when a mere mortal asked God who he is and God said, I am who am, which is everything. Um, so from this foundation, I just wanted to note um, the enormity and magnificence of God's creation. I have on the screen a photo of a Lebanese cedar in the Shouf biosphere, um, which I was blessed to visit uh, two years ago with my wife, um, which shows uh, the, the cones, the cedar cones. Um, and this tree has lasted longer and has witnessed longer than, than Christianity itself and is still bearing fruit. We are also then guided by the greatest commandment, uh, the first of which is that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. As this is the greatest and first commandment, and God is the creator, then it seems 
rational to me at least that we must then honor his creation and if we are to have dominion over it it must be a responsible loving kind and respectful one in our service to god and then of course the fundamental also fundamental essential aspect of the greatest commandment is that we shall love our neighbors as ourselves and bundling this up through a beautiful 2000 years of tradition of theology deeds acts thoughts words, literature, music of love, um, these fundamental principles apply to all solutions, to all climate solutions as well. We recognize, and many of us do, the deep divisions that we have in our society, whether theological, uh, within our church, in our country, in our politics. And the only way that we're going to be able to bridge these divides is through uh, us leading through the imitation of Christ and spirit, word, and deed. And so some of the foundational elements of our Catholic faith, which lead us to leadership roles, to this healing um, between each other and our earth, is to love God, our creator, to love our neighbor, as well as our enemies, who I would rather call our friends in waiting, to always pray for them and ask God for his mercy to come upon them to be as God, as Jesus described of himself, to be gentle and humble of heart. And as Jesus did to sacrifice himself for the love of all. And within this sacrifice is this unsurpassing forgiveness, this willingness to forgive others and to seek reconciliation with others. Uh, and so these are the foundations that we at the Catholic Climate Covenant strive to embody in moving forward in this climate space um, and in ask others to join in this uh, journey. These aspects are also embodied in Catholic social teaching. Um, the USCCB, US Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, has issued seven themes of Catholic social teaching, um, which I imagine many of you are familiar with. Um, the solidarity, option for the poor and the vulnerable. We put them first, and this is especially to be noted, and you'll see this later, that uh, many of the uh, Catholic statements and papal statements are about putting the needs of the poor and vulnerable first. We are also called to family, community, and participation. And I'll talk a little bit about the Climate Covenant's advocacy to uh, advocate for the common good in the public sphere. And then lastly, um, care for God's creation is one of those aspects, one of those seven themes of Catholic social teaching. And this has been further extended um, by um, St. John, St. Pope John Paul II, who actually termed the phrase within um, our sphere as a need for ecological conversion. And Pope Benedict was known in European circles as the Green Pope, and he is the Pope who put solar panels on the Vatican. Um, and a really beautiful statement from him um, in his World Day of Peace in 2010, that mankind renew and strengthen that covenant between human beings and the environment, which should mirror the creative love of God from whom we come and towards whom we are journeying. And as many of you are familiar, Pope Francis, uh, through his encyclical Laudato Si, um, which was issued in May of 2015, that climate change is a problem which can no longer be left to a future generation. When it comes to the care of our common home, we are living at a critical moment in history. Now is the time for courageous action and strategies aimed at implementing a culture of care and an integrated approach to combating poverty, 
restoring dignity to the excluded, at the same time protecting nature. So wanting to note briefly in that statement, uh, which he made at the White House upon his visit in September 2015, the focus on restoring the dignity of the excluded and combating poverty and caring for the least among us. The USCCB has also issued a statement on climate change in 2001 and a really beautiful poetic statement. Um, As people of faith, we are convinced that the earth is the Lord's and all it holds. Our creator has given us the gift of creation, the air we breathe, the water that sustains life, the fruit of the land that nourishes us and the entire web of life without which human life cannot flourish. All of this God created and found very good. We believe our response to global climate change should be a sign of our respect for God's creation. Secondly, as it relates to uh, climate science, USCCB has stated also in 2001, in facing climate change, what we already know requires a response. Significant levels of scientific consensus justify, indeed can obligate our taking action intended to avert potential dangers. Pope Francis extends this further with particular regard to the Laudato Sea, particular regard to fossil fuels in Laudato Sea at paragraph 165, he says, we know that technology based on the use of highly polluting fossil fuels, especially coal, but also oil and to a lesser degree gas needs to be progressively replaced without delay. Fundamentally though, we, we all know that this is fundamentally a moral crisis and this has been specifically stated by uh, Pope, St. Pope John Paul II, um, that we need first an interior conversion we need an interior impulse which encourages, motivates, nourishes, and gives meaning to our individual and communal activity. That we need a profound interior conversion because of the external deserts in this world are growing. And that the internal deserts have become so vast. Lastly, we must live out our vocation to be protectors of God's handiwork. It is essential to our life of virtue. It is not an optional or secondary aspect of our Christian experience to do this work. Laudato Si, paragraph 217. And so uh, finally, I would say that the laity have a a critical role in carrying out this mission, quoting from um, the Second Vatican Council on the decree of the apostolate of the laity. In the church, there is a diversity of ministry, but a oneness of mission. Christ conferred on the apostles and their successors the duty of teaching, sanctifying, and ruling in his name and power. But the laity likewise share in the priestly, prophetic, and royal office of Christ, and therefore have their own share in the mission and the whole people of God in the church and in the world. So thank you for bearing with that, Amanda, and I I welcome your questions. First off, there is so much to be taken here. And actually, I think it's a good spot to pause and say, if we needed reading and resources on this topic, there are an abundance 
of reading and resources from the USCCB, from Laudato C. Um, so you've mentioned a few. What are some of the most, like if, if someone was listening and they haven't read anything on, on Catholic social teaching and climate, what are some of the top things that they should read? What are like the top two or three right away? Um, so I would go to the USCCB's website, um, type on that line, Catholic social teaching. You will get those seven tenets, which also have sublinks that do bring you deeper into the topics you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is Laudato Si itself, also available in English and PDF um, from the Vatican website. Mm-hmm. And then uh, USCCB has two statements, one on uh, environment in ni- 1991, and then that 2001 statement on global climate change. Um, those would be the four sort of foundational documents I'd recommend. Great. And if you're listening and you want to look at those among others, check out the show notes of this episode as I will be linking all of these documents for you to find and read and peruse. So um, as we move forward from to kind of build upon what you just talked about, um, let's go into the let's go into kind of a deeper part of the responsibility that we as Catholics have, of course, for care of creation. Like you said, it's not a secondary responsibility. It is a primary responsibility for us. Um, Let's go into an even deeper topic. Um, And it may be a little bit controversial for those who are on the call, but I think it's a very important one to talk about. So you and I were talking before we started recording that, um, there is a level of special importance when it comes to environmental injustice. So would you mind talking about environmental injustice and how we as Catholics should see this as a top priority when it comes to caring for our earth and our climate? Okay, um, thank you for that question. I'm gonna explore two, mention, two dimensions of that. And the mm-hmm. first relates to what people now know, thank goodness, as environmental justice. Mm-hmm or environmental injustice, which has been a topic within the environmental community since about the late 1980s, the actual phrase starting to come into prominence and now making, it, uh, making its way at the forefront of our national consciousness. But environmental justice actually ha- has happened pretty much since the dawn of civilization, or at least the, the human gatherings, uh, human settlements, set human settlements. So if you imagine just from a, from, a, from a societal perspective, if you need to place your refuse in a particular area, where do you put it? You often put it in the place uh, where the people are least able to actually protest that. And those are generally the, the communities of color or the communities that are less financially stable. We find this pattern continuing throughout history. And um, I don't know about you, but have you driven up uh, the New Jersey Turnpike before? I have not. You have not? Oh, okay. No. Um, well, um, interesting. Um, sorry, you're from Pittsburgh. Uh, so anyway, for those of you who have drawn, yeah, so you're more West, but those of you who have drawn up the East Coast corridor, you know, the sort of um, Washington, D.C. to Boston band, um, as, as all of us know, as you're coming up to New York City, um, you're passing by um, on the Jersey Turnpike, a whole raft of, of, of refineries, um, uh, big oil storage tankers, uh, and smoke is billowing out of these um, uh, of these many of these facilities. If there is a human settlement near that area, it will very likely be a, a community that is majority African American or Hispanic or people of color. 
And that is the essence of environmental injustice that our societal wastes and pollution are situated in these neighborhoods, which cause the people within them to suffer environmental contaminations um, that are medically proven to be harmful to their human health, to the fetuses that the moms are carrying. Um, and so this is the kind of uh, sort of legacy that um, uh, industrial revolution legacy that we need to move away from in a most graceful, artful, uh, important way in, if we're going to uplift the human dignity of every single human person. Um, so that's environmental injustice and, and we're, really, we're really excited to have the opportunity to really step forward in this, um, in this current political atmosphere where that phrase is now much more prominent. Um, many of us are, are familiar that uh, pregnant women can't eat a lot of tuna. Right. Because it contains mercury. Right. And the tuna through its life cycle and through its diet uh, happened to bioaccumulate this mercury, which little bits and pieces are, are being collected as they are ultimately digesting uh, their food or their meal, which then gets embodied in their flesh. And therefore, the women cannot um, eat too much of it because mercury has been proven for decades to be damaging to the fetus. So at one point in time, 67% of all the mercury that was in the atmosphere and then depositing and bioaccumulating, so it gets in the air, drops into the ocean, then that pattern unfolds. 67% of that mercury was coming from the emissions of coal-fired power plants. So you can make a causal medical scientific connection between the burning of coal and harm to the fetus, which would necessitate this to be a pro-life issue as well. And so what can we do? Uh, so just to respond quickly, we can continue to call for, as Pope Francis has said, transition away from fossil fuels, which create these pollutants um, and join those efforts of which there are many. Um, and, and we, the covenant are also a part of that, which I'll describe uh, in our, what are we all about section of this program. Okay, great. Do you have any other thoughts about environmental injustice before we transition into the next section? Uh, just to note, yes, we do have a webinar on environmental injustice uh, to leading environmental justice advocates. I welcome you to go to our website, catholicclimatecovenant.org. Um, on that webinar, we're having another webinar on tribal issues. Um, and then we will also be hosting, that, that webinar will be April 7th um, after this session, but then on April 20th, we will be hosting a showing of the eagle and the condor which delves into uh, indigenous struggles with environmental injustice. It'll also be concluded with a panel hosted by some of the, hosted by the filmmakers, including some of the protagonists in the film, as well as my dear friend, Sarah James, who is a champion of the Quijin people has been fighting for decades for preservation of the Alaska National Wildlife Refuge, which is the last remaining wildlife refuge in the United States. So welcome you to join those sessions. Great. And again, we'll put that information in the show notes of this episode if you're interested in learning more. Um, I think my last major question is you've shown us and demonstrated so much about our beliefs and as Catholics, our responsibility to care for all, like you said. Um, but let's just take a minute and discuss the Catholic climate covenant in general too. So, so what does the Catholic climate covenant do? What is their mission? And you mentioned a couple of other events, but is there anything else we should be aware of? 
Sure, thank you. I'd like to, yes, thank you. I'd love to frame this and and really blessed to work with you and your organization, which is also affiliated with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Um, We operate in the context of the breadth of our Catholic Church, Um, the ministries, the music ministries, education, healthcare, uh, et cetera, Uh, Catholic um, charities, we want to be able to enfold the breadth and depth of this ministry um, and weave what we would call weave the green threads into each one of these ministries. Um, so that is our ultimate mission. We are also affiliated with uh, the USCCB and have an Episcopal liaison at this time. Uh, and, our, and, and our steering committee is filled with many of the organizations you're familiar with, like Catholic Relief Services, Catholic Charities, uh, USCCB. Um, Catholic Health Association, Association of Catholic Colleges and Universities, uh, and, and several religious orders, uh, national religious orders. And so we collaborate with them in the unfolding of this aspect of our Catholic faith through their programming and their advice. Um, and in particular, though, the covenant, we have a specific focus on lifting up care for creation in parishes and dioceses. Uh, we have, for example, over 400 creation care teams across the 17,000 parishes uh, across the United States. Uh, There are at least 25 dioceses out of the 173 dioceses who are active in Laudato Si' ministry. We're excited to bring the good news of what they're doing. It's not something that um, bishops and pastors often talk about. There are more other pressing priorities, but to know that though it's not talked about, it's being done. And so we're super excited to lift that up. And in that regard, um, I'm, I'm sort of mixing events with, uh, with our activities. The Vatican, five years after Laudato Si, has come out in, 20, in May 2015 with what they call the Laudato Si Action Platform. So over the, if you think of the triad of Pray, Learn, Act, this action platform that they're going to be launching intended for October 4th, which is St. Francis's Feast Day, a platform that enables Catholic institutions globally implement Laudato Si in the manner that is appropriate to their circumstances. So that is, and pardon the list, I'm going to listicle for a second. Um, mm-hmm. It is parishes and dioceses, uh, religious orders, uh, and I'll, I'll get you the link to this one as well. Um, but it's important to know the breadth. Uh, healthcare, healthcare associations, healthcare systems, colleges and universities, parochial schools, business cooperatives and agriculture and communities and organizations. And across these seven sectors, the action platform will build out what you can do, take those footsteps on what you can do. So we are blessed, the covenant is blessed to be the US implementer or the US sort of facilitator of these efforts. So stay tuned for that. We're going to be having a lot of good news stories as well as guidance for how your parishes or whatever facility or whatever institutions you have um, can step into this. Um, So that's one of our major activities. Um, And then secondly, I'd say that we, the Covenant, are having our second annual conference co-hosted by Creighton University, which similarly is about how do we weave care for creation continue to weave into these ministries and other ministries, um, including advocacy. Um, And I also wanted to mention, finally, 
there are so many things to talk about, but I do want to lift up that we have a new young Catholic program uh, that is led by uh, our, our new blessed um, director of that program, uh, Anna Robertson. I would recommend that those of you who are 39 and younger or 18 to 39 to go see how that program is building out. It too is based on the need for a spiritual dimension foremost in our approach that is Catholic based. And then secondly, about community, about building community first, and then we can go out into the world. So yes, please check that out as well. Emergences is the name of her first offering. Cool. Great. I'll put that information in the uh, show notes as well. Plenty to look at, plenty to do, plenty for advocacy, plenty for learning. Um, if it's okay with you, I kind of want to end with a little footnote for the pastoral musicians who are listening right now. And so as pastoral musicians, we are so often focused on the music that we choose, of course, for the weekend liturgies and how it reflects the scripture and of course, our Catholic teaching and our Catholic prayer and our Catholic faith. And so I encourage you, if you are listening, to consider in your planning for this month, if you're not done planning yet, or if you have some way to incorporate it into your prelude music or postlude music, or maybe an offertory meditation, to do something with text that honors care for creation. Uh, Jose and I were talking about this a couple times, actually, before we started recording. And... Um, for most hymnals that are published today, there is a section for creation. And so I encourage you to consider incorporating music that honors the care for creation and talks about the blessings of creation all around us, because I do think with our music that we can also reinforce the need as Catholics to be advocates and support this need for, for climate and everything that we as Catholics support in our social teachings that way. So I will list a couple of hymns. They are not extensive and exhaustive. So if you have a different one, let me know. Um, let me know in the comments section on this YouTube video, or you can always shoot me an email and my email address is at ministrymonday.org. But yeah, I encourage you to bring what we've talked about and bring what we've learned today to your pews um, in the ways that we can, both internally and learning, but also through music. So with that being said, Jose, are there any other closing thoughts that you have that you'd like to just talk about? No, actually, that's, that's a wonderful close. Thank you. It's a real blessing uh, to join you today. Well, thank you for your time and thank you for your work on this important topic and your work at the Catholic Climate Covenant. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks to Jose for his time today. Jose has provided so many resources and upcoming events that we are showing in the show notes of this episode. 
I strongly recommend that you visit ministrymonday.org and check it out for yourself. You can also find the video version of this podcast at our YouTube channel. I will also link the video in the show notes of this episode, again, at ministrymonday.org. The recording of For the Fruits of This Creation was produced by Oregon Catholic Press, and the theme music for this episode was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.